Welcome to Bible Over Brews News. Deep thoughts over end times and headlines. I'm coming at you, Aaron Crew Juice for Verka. We've got Gumby. Hey, hola. And we've got Keith. My hot takes will cost you $8 a month. <laughs> He's got a subscription plan, though. All right. And we're going to start with none other than Redemption Bourbon. Because we all need a little redemption in our life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bourbon is my seat. A truly Casey drinking whiskey distinguished by its subtle rye-forward flavor. Our bourbon has a rye content of 21%, giving it a light but distinct hint of spice. Enjoy it on the rocks or mixed into your favorite bourbon cocktail. It is a proof of 88. And get this, 95 award points at different award shows. And it's won gold. Gentlemen. Cheers. 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 I didn't understand what any of those points mean other than a gold sounds good. Mm. Amazing. Mm. That, and it's a smooth bourbon. That's amazing. I'm redeemed. <laughs> we've had their uh, their rye on before, but this is the first time we've had their, their standard bourbon. Mm. But man, it is a little spicy in the front end. I'm catching a, yeah, I, I, a little bit of the rye, but almost... Oh, what is that? Maybe maybe a, a little nutmeg-ish. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's... I could taste that. Yeah, it's... Uh, hmm. It's a dumb question looking at your computer screen. Is bourbon made of corn? Yes. In fact, oh bourbon... I had no idea. Bourbon, by definition, must be at least 51% corn. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. So this is like the ethanol of, like, alcohol. Which that ethanol is so alcohol. Good. That doesn't make any sense. I'm already drunk. There, so you can smooth. tell. It's just gone straight to my head. Oh, There's so good. many subtle, nuanced flavors just floating through there, and I, I don't want to put on the same level as like a like a a spiced rum, but there is is that beautiful spiciness to it. There is. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Hats off, Redemption. That's Great really job. good. Wow. So not only is your rye beautiful, but your bourbon is gorgeous. Yeah. So, you want to go out and buy some bourbon again? Because I haven't been doing bourbon at home. No? No. Just whiskeys every once in a while. All right, all right. What kind of whiskeys have you been into? Lately? Oh, man. Basil Hayden's Dark Rye. Ah. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Well, I hear something. Basil Hayden. I mean, all podcast. of their stuff is good, but yeah. their Dark Rye is something special. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see if it beats out, because my favorite still reigning king... Is right over there by Angel's Envy. That's great. That's, yeah. That is that is really a good one, no doubt. Although it, I do have to say that Redemption's Rye comes really close to that. It mm. really does. I'm I'm shocked because over there we have a hundred dollar bottle of bourbon, yep. right? And yet the twenty seven dollar of Rye of Redemption's is is closer than it should be for the price margin. What does this one cost? Twenty seven bucks. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's good, right? There's no reason not to get drunk off that. Because <laughs> it's a good value. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some stores will run up to 32, but depending on where you're at, you know, anywhere from 27 to 32. Yeah, no, Basil Hayden's, I think I pay between 50 and 60 bucks for that. Okay. Yeah. So it's not a problem we take a little extra to help us get through this topic we'll be going no, over. No, yeah. We're going to need it. We're going to need the light of redemption. <laughs> <laughs> So, Keith, what are you leading us into? Oh. Um. <laughs> I say because I want Keith to start it. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want me to do my thing or you want me to do your thing? Oh, go ahead. Start with your thing. Okay, okay. Um, oh, man. Um, well, we had an election. We did. So, um, know that we will be streaming live, so... Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a, um, uh, we don't know what, what happened yet. Like, it's kind of wild. Everybody thought there'd be a red wave. Yeah. Um, yes. And I mean, that, that it just proved to me how meaningless that like 538 graph is. If you guys ever look at that, where it's like, yeah. Democrats have a 77% chance of keeping the Senate. And then the next week it's like, Democrats have a 41% chance of keeping the Senate. <laughs> so as someone who's obsessed with polls, I was just completely sick of it. 
So unfortunately, we can't tell you who won. You guys will probably know who won if you're listening to this later, um, because there's it's forty nine forty nine. Senate. Um, Nevada is supposed to drop some votes any moment now. That'll probably show the Democratic candidate taking the lead for the Senate, while the House they'll need a, probably a miracle for the Democrats to take it. But there is an outside chance they could win it by one vote. Okay, which would be weird. Um, that is weird. <laughs> I mean, so the particular thing I was at to talk about, I mean, I don't know how much we want to talk about that, but um, it is interesting to think about how the particular issues may have weighed down the red wave because the fundamentals say that they really, Republicans should have done really well. Um, I mean, as uh, as Dr. Oz would say on, our, on that one video that, you know, salsa is $6 or whatever. So $6 salsa right? or $5 gas means that just, you know, you got to vote for the other guy. But why? Why is the why? Why was that thought even at play? Like we should be doing really well this time, Republicans. Like, well, so there's there's a traditional wisdom that the party that is out of power uh, does better in the midterm elections, which has been usually the case. Like a notable exception was 2002, uh, when um, you know we were all riding high on the on the fumes of uh, W's patriotism. And in the Iraq Smoking war. Smoking them out of the holes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was probably one of the biggest exceptions. I think there was one where the Democrats didn't do as bad as they thought. But between um, the that that typical thing that happens, um, plus the economic conditions where, okay, things like gas, things like um, just general like groceries, like regular goods, like we've seen, we've seen a lot of inflation. And yeah. that's really easy to blame on like whoever is the president, even if the president doesn't have much to do with that. Um, even if gas is a commodity that goes up and down and um, <laughs> this is a bit of a tangent, but one of my favorite political memes, like Facebook thing that I would see, like, you know, some old uncle or whoever post. Um, if my uncle's listening, you didn't actually post this. I'm just making a thing up. Uh, <laughs> he talks about you all the time. <laughs> you should hear the things but he says. They would post a picture of the prices, the price of gas, like at a gas station, you know, like the sign that says like regular unleaded, like whatever, you know, dollar and cents per gallon. Uh, and they would post it from like March 25th, 2020. So like right when we all got locked down. Um, and it would be like, you know, like what, 185 a gallon or something like that. And they'd right. be like, I long for the good old days. And it's just like, you mean the good old days when we were all locked in our houses and every plane was grounded and nobody could travel anywhere and unemployment was like 15%? <laughs> Those good old days yeah. because gas was 185 a gallon. <laughs> Absolutely. Those are the good days. But do you remember what happened <laughs> that caused gas to be 185 a gallon? <laughs> Tell us, Keith. Short-term memory in America. <laughs> and then I sometimes I would argue it and the people would be like, no, just Trump had a better handle on it then. <laughs> I don't even think I can finish that sentence without dying laughing. You know, yeah, Trump had a great handle on the world situation on March twenty fifth, twenty twenty. Absolutely. You know what Trump handles. <laughs> <laughs> I tell it everyone. <laughs> Oops. Uh oh. Sorry. Sorry. So anyway, given those <laughs> to reel it back in, given those fundamentals, uh, you know, folks were predicting it's a, it'd be like, okay, Republicans could win anywhere from, you know, 225 to 245 uh, House seats or something like that. And um, the only reason the Senate wasn't as big of a, a given is the quality of candidate, which is something Juice is going to talk about a little bit here. Um, so to be in a situation now where it's almost certain that Republicans aren't going to win the Senate and they're actually, while they have an inside track in the house, they might only win it by two or three seats mm. indicates that something went wrong. And of course, something that went wrong, if you could pick a single point in time, might've been the Dobbs decision uh, overturning Roe v. Wade, uh, which did get a lot of uh, Democrat excitement um, that there was like, Oh, there was a reason to vote for these people who are currently in power who apparently aren't controlling the price of gas well enough. Um, but at the same time, that happens so early in the summer that like Americans, I mean, have pretty short term memories. You know, it's like if something's a hot issue for a month in politics, that's like a big deal if it lasted a whole month. Yeah. If that month happens in July 
Well, the le- election's in November. <laughs> we're a very forgiving public. We are throwing a bone. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I, I don't know how true, like maybe, I mean, polling kind of sucks now. Like polling's, we have so much more polling data now and we have a lot of sophisticated ways to kind of normalize, like, you know, like figuring out like who's going to answer the phone versus who's not going to answer and like fixing things for like democrat demographics and education. Like if you poll a thousand people and you find out that, you know, 40% of them are college graduates, but in that area, only 30% of the people are college graduates. They have good ways of like taking those numbers and adjusting them to try to make sure they're not misrepresenting their samples. But even when that happens, we have like, I mean, there's just a bunch of people who aren't answering their phones. People don't answer their phones normally, but there is this like trend of like, um, Trump supporters maybe are less likely to answer their phones. At least that's a theory. Like they're like maybe skeptical of the polling establishment. Uh, so they don't answer their phones and that maybe that misrepresents every, basically every pollster is like in this weird, like hostage situation, Stockholm syndrome ever since 2016, when they did not predict that Trump was going to win. So everybody's been trying to correct aggressively for this. So you have things like corrections like that. And then you also just have like, there's, there's partisan pollsters. So like the polls were like flooded with um, like Republican polling firms. Um, and th- those firms take some risk because they're trying like, if they say the Republican's going to win and the Republican doesn't win, they look pretty dumb. Uh, but at the same time, like you would look on 538's polling average and like every other poll was like Trafalgar. Um, what's the other one that's, crappy um i can't remember the name of them but the, all these all these polling firms who are like full of like they, they do partisan polls basically okay um so people will be like oh that's changing the graph um and then nate silver would tell you like the, the guy who runs 530 he'd be like no our models accounted for this because <laughs> uh, he's always got to be right but um <clears throat> anyway Whatever, maybe it was just a media narrative too. Maybe it was just the media got so caught up in it's going to be a red wave um, that like like when you report news, you have to report something dramatic and possibly sensational. And a red wave is is it brings that drama. It brings that drama. The threat of a red tsunami would yeah yeah Democrats out like yeah people want reporters want to report that something's going to happen yeah like the status quo is not something happening. But we might have gotten the status quo. Maybe it was because of abortion. I can say in individual states, um, maybe particularly one, that was absolutely true. Um, so this is where I was finally trying to go, which was um, you know the part that doesn't get talked about. about we, we talk about about the candidates, and we will talk about candidates more in a, in a few minutes here. But um, there's, there's ballot measures. And ballot measures are maybe one of the truest ways to capture the opinion of the electorate because they don't have to hitch their wagon to an entire party. Like when you vote for a candidate, you're like, you know, especially with high partisanship. Now you're saying like, I am hitching my wagon to everything that person believes. So uh, you have, you know, a lot of folks, for instance, who like democratic policies, like they like uh, legalized weed. They like, um, you know, pro-choice policies. They like um, uh, Medicaid expansion, um, but they don't like... Um, I don't know. They they think Republicans are better for the economy, or maybe they like the religious liberty angle. So they they end up voting for these individual things, but they don't vote for the Democrat who would actually bring them those individual things. Mm. So when you get them on a ballot measure, you notice that a lot of like liberal causes on ballot measures usually do quite well, like things like minimum minimum raising the minimum wage, um, uh, putting in um, abortion uh, rights protections, uh, weed. Weed, although not this year, weed is historically done quite well. Um, things like that. So, uh, of course, this year, abortion was the big one. There was five different states, I think, that had abortion ballot measures, and they all went to the pro-choice side. I'm trying to find them right now. Some of them were stronger than others. Um, like uh, Kentucky and Montana. Yeah, they were simply voting on whether to amend their constitution to clarify that there was no right to an abortion in the constitution. Like not to actually like not I, I, it's such a weird thing to say. Cause you basically had to vote no if you were voting yes for the pro-choice side. So there could have been that confusion too. Sometimes you can mix oh. up the yes or a no answer. Yeah. there. I know what he's talking about. That was a huge 
debacle in the way they roll it out. To say yes, you had to actually vote no. <laughs> right, that, right. It weird. It's so weird. I have no idea who wrote that, but it was bad. Lawyers. It was really bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was really bad. So, so I, I, I'm not, I, need, I should have looked up who was, because, you know, there's always like a certain group that's promoting the amendment. They're the ones who collect the signatures or the one who gets it on the ballot and whatever. Yeah. Um, and like, especially in like, say, the Kentucky one, I'm not really sure who was putting it in there. It sounds like it would have actually been the anti-abortion side promoting the amendment because the amendment, if it would have passed, it would have it could have been used in a court case for like a judge trying to judge whether like an abortion uh, ban was constitutional. Because if your constitution says there is no right to abortion in the constitution, that's a pretty clear cut case. If then an abortion ban comes before a judge, a judge can be like, oh, the constitution says there's no right to abortion in the constitution. It doesn't yet say there's no right to, there's no prohibition against abortion, but because there's this law here that this legislature has passed, we can say, oh yeah, that law is constitutional because the constitution says it's constitutional, which that just sounded kind of obvious in retrospect. Mm. <laughs> so what you're saying is the constitution has nothing to do with this. <laughs> right. Except we have to until follow. you make it, until you make it, which they were trying to do. And they failed. They failed in Kentucky and Montana. Montana's was a little bit different because it was like an infant born alive act, which failed by a few percentage points. There was an argument there that this, this um, you know, amendment, which would say that, you know, if there's a, um, you know, an infant born alive in any stage, that the doctors must do like everything they can to save it, which in some respects sounds obvious, but it also... It should be. Like... That's also part of like general standard of care is like if you can save somebody's life, you should try to save it. Mm -hmm. um, so do you really need to codify that? And if you do codify it in this particular way, does it prohibit things like say you have, um, you know, an infant who's born who has a, um, you know, a, a severe you know birth defect that is fatal? Like they're going to, you know, you know, it happens not often, but it happens, you know, you hear of it regularly where there's uh, an infant who's born who has 30 minutes to live or three days to live because they have some condition that's just incompatible with life. And what if there's a constitutional amendment that says the doctors can't say, there's no way to save this kid. Let me put this kid in your arms and you spend this time you have with them. Um, what if that amendment says they have to hook them up to a bunch of machines, even if there's no hope? Um, so that's the risk of putting that into it, your constitution. Yeah, that's that's a difficult one. I, at the same token, I I definitely have heard of doctors and abortion clinics, uh, just allowing babies to die of exposure after an abortion. So, mm -hmm. so there there definitely needs to be something in place that would, you know, prevent that because that's straight cruelty. If you could save the child, save the child. Um, and, and uh, we've talked about this in our previous news episode where uh, I definitely am, am more towards the, the pro-life side. Um, but again, like we said in our previous uh, episodes, that being said, there needs to be something in place to protect a doctor if a doctor needs to save the life of the mother. So uh, Unfortunately, a lot of these laws going into effect don't allow for that. And that's where it's like two extremes, right? There has to be a happy medium in the middle where, you know, sometimes a mother's life has to be saved through an abortion. And, and that's a, it's a very it's a, it's a sad time. It's a very sad time. But the doctor should be, be protected when he has to do that. So that's where I'm kind of against the, the far-right laws that are being passed on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't believe in abortion for convenience. I believe that is a life is a life, and all life I think needs to be protected. Um, but I do believe in protecting a doctor who's doing his best to save a life. So, yeah, that's where I stand. <laughs> Touche. That sounds like uh, that would actually be supported by the. Uh, like that would be fully compatible with Roe v. Wade, actually. <laughs> 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 I, you know, to your original argument and why, you know, the whole red wave was so pushed and yet it didn't really happen. <clears throat> I don't know if it has to do with so much of this, you know, like you said, narratives that are being pushed out or 
gasoline or even Biden. I, you know, I'm, I don't consider myself far right. I do lean right. I'm tired of the pejorative terms personally. Yeah. I, I personally, in the big picture, let me just preface what I'm saying with this. I don't believe in a two party paradigm. I'm just kind of over that. Yeah. But in this, in, you know, response to what you have to say, I really think the lack of good quality candidates is what's hurting the Republican Party. I agree. I give us something to believe in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I I don't want another Trump. Uh, even though, if even if there were some things that I may have agreed with uh, policy wise, I'm tired of both extremes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. I agree. I want someone who can. Write and read coherent sense. So, so before we move on to the candidates, in this so, episode, you're the segue. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I, I, I do want to finish this one little point. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, all, go right, ahead. all right. Go ahead. Because we had a few other amendments. So that, those were like the kind of like soft ones. There were like four states that passed like hard, like, you know, basically passed their own Roe v. Wade constitution, except as a constitutional amendment protecting the right to an abortion. And those, what well, Kansas had one in a special election, um, which was crazy. That, Kansas voted for abortion rights by like high fifties percent, maybe even 60%. Um, the Catholic church even threw like a few million dollars in that one. Which one? Uh, Kansas abortion referendum. Yeah. Okay. Um, Catholic church threw money towards that. Yeah. Or or towards, towards the, um, well, I should say the, the Kansas one failed. So they were going to, um, amend the Kansas constitution to state that nothing in the state constitution, uh, I'm going to read all that. It's boring. Um, anyway, the pro, the, uh, anti-abortion side failed, um, by a commanding margin. I th- actually, that, that was one of those ones that was written weird where it's like, it's hard to understand the yes or the no. Um, but then on election night, California and Vermont, um, passed, uh, amendments, you know, affirmatively protecting, um, reproductive rights or whatever you call it. Um, the one I want to hone in on Michigan. Uh, Michigan's really interesting. So Michigan is the one state where I would say you you could say without a doubt abortion had a dramatic effect on the political environment. Um, Michigan, I kind of consider like a slightly bluer cousin to Ohio. Like Michigan and Ohio both have like really effed up politics. Um, they both have like kind of crazy off the wall state legislatures that are pretty far right. At least, well, they, they had them. Uh, one of them, <laughs> um, Michigan, of course, was able to elect a Democratic governor um, in previous elections and reelected um, Gretchen Whitmer, um, you know, on Tuesday. But um, yeah, Michigan, despite the extreme gerrymander, I believe they have officially elected. They have a full Democratic trifecta mm. um, in their state, um, you know, House, Senate, and um, and governor, which is crazy. Because if Michigan can do that with the severe, the same severe gerrymander that like is kind of in the same mold as Ohio, like you wonder if the same set of issues are before voters, like what would happen in Ohio? Like Ohio, it's just, it's completely a given that Republicans are going to win across the state. Like there's just, there's, I don't want to say don't vote, but it almost feels like sometimes there's no point in voting if you're not on that side. Um, because like even, now, here's the weird thing about Ohio. Ohio actually elected five um, Democratic House members out of 15 to the House. And that was after a full decade where it was four and 12. Ohio, of course, lost a seat in the, in the um, you know, last census. Okay. Um, because the gerrymander was so severe, the districts were tailor-made that automatically four Democrats would win and 12 Republicans would win, no matter what happened. Um, well, it's crazy, even though... This is, takes a lot of Ohio history here. I apologize, but uh, Ohio, of course, had a, a um, anti-gerrymandering constitutional amendment passed a few years ago that um, the governor and the legislature blatantly violated, and the Supreme Court basically kind of let them do it. Like the Supreme Court kept saying that every map they made was unconstitutional, <laughs> but they just ran out the clock. They never actually like, held them in contempt of court or whatever. So basically, Ohio is running right now with an with a a political map that is against their constitution and even despite that even even despite it being tailor-made by republicans and being illegal democrats still won what would have been an absolutely inconceivable number of seats 
like there was a, a very realistic scenario where they only won two seats because it was that severe of a gerrymander. Um, so I sorry, I may not go back to Michigan. Michigan had had an abortion rights amendment that passed by a commanding lead. It seemed to be a, a big highlight of the governor's campaign. The governor was fairly popular. And all these things went together to take a state that should be trending red. Like Michigan shares a lot of demographic qualities with Ohio. Like it's a state that's not really growing. Um, it's a state that isn't having like a big influx of, of, you know, folks coming from out of state. It doesn't have a lot of diversity relative to other states. Um, like it should be trending red and they just got a trifecta. So I, I think what that portends is like, I think folks, Democrats in Ohio will try to copy what they did in Michigan, namely with that abortion amendment. And I would expect that next election. And it'd be interesting to see if Ohio could sustain a the, their own blue wave, which is basically what Michigan had. Hmm. Jeez, who's been talking about gerrymandering for years? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the... Uh, I, I've always known that gerrymandering is a problem. That's why I, when I was younger, I actually refused to vote because of it. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's like, no point. <laughs> I I do now, but... Right, date uh, yourself. How long ago was that? Oh, good Lord. Uh, geez, just... All throughout the 2000s. I didn't start voting until a couple of years ago. Okay, okay. So it was it was in the age of computer-assisted gerrymandering. Yes. Got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, yeah, I was just I was just fed up with the whole idea because I looked at it and even before the big exposés, I could see it. I could see the way the maps were drawn and stuff, and I was like, this this is stupid. I was like, there's no way that the candidates that are not inside this map are going to win. They're just this is ridiculous. And so even back then, way this is back in the 90s, I was like, this is stupid. Why, why do we have this? The, 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 they're already set up. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 I, I want to get to the point where, you know, since we have a new map, I'm not really used to it yet. But like, even though gerrymandering is horrible, there was kind of this like comfort in like the ridiculous shapes and knowing the shapes, like knowing like, like, when your when your your district gets a nickname like the snake on the lake, which was our previous district until the the new you know census, uh, or the one right below us, which was I don't know if it's I don't know what the real name of it is, but I guess I could call it like Jim Jordan's duck. Okay. It was shaped like a duck, duck, and it automatically elected Jim Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> but the the snake on the lake was interesting because, as I recall, it wasn't completely connected by like land you could see on the map. Like there's actually a point. On your way to Sandusky, like so, this district for folks who aren't familiar with it, this district extended from basically from like my house, so like the very near west side of Cleveland, okay, to Toledo, and uh, I mean those are pretty populous areas in between. So to have one, basically to have like a huge chunk of Cleveland represented by someone two hours away in Toledo, is pretty remarkable. Like that usually only happens in like a rural district. Um, and this is not a rural area, um, but there's a certain point, like basically it's a skinny piece of land um, for much of its journey where it's going right along Lake Erie uh, until it gets back into Toledo and expands a bit. And I think there's one point where it, it goes over that. I don't know the name of that bridge, but I think it's that bridge that takes you to like, is that Port Clinton or something like that? Port Clinton Marblehead. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it takes you over a giant bridge over Lake Erie. So it's like not even on land for part of it, yeah. which is debatable if that's even a district. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I used to do service calls out there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so did they base your your service call area on congressional districts? Because that would be pure hell. <laughs> no, no, no. It was on, uh, well, people who paid money. <laughs> yeah. Can we pause right there? We're going to do a word from our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to drain Muay Thai? Perhaps there's no gyms near you. Perhaps you work odd hours. Perhaps, like a few of us, you don't like germs. Whichever way it goes, you can train online with some of the best instructors from around the country, either live or in class with other students. Living Muay Thai gives you the chance to do all of this and much more. So jump into live classes and on demand right now. Living Muay Thai. 
www.bibleoverbrews.com. Hey, it's Gumby here from Bible Over Brews. Are you looking to get some editing done in your podcast? Maybe you don't have the hours or time it takes to edit your content, but you still need to get it done. Maybe you need a customized track or a song for your podcast or your next project without having to worry about copyright issues. Well, look no further than soulworkmusic.com, where this footwork is done for you. I'll get that editing post-production work done right for you or create you that customized song that fits your project or podcast to help support your life's work. If this sounds like what you need, reach out to me at soulworkmusic.com. Again, at soulworkmusic.com. And remember, there's nothing taboo over brew. So, so my biggest beef, and I, and I say this as somebody who who is on the conservative side, right? I uh, I've been scolded by uh, other conservatives, like <laughs> severely scolded by other conservatives, for not liking very specific people in the uh, Republican Party. They'll say, "Well, how can you not like this person?" That means you're not conservative. So, no, I don't like that person because I am conservative. And that's that's the, the big problem is, is the disparity we see. We judge a, uh, a candidate by his party rather than by his actions. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's is awful. It's party worship. Yeah, right, exactly. We should be judging our candidates by how they act in their private life, their public life, their interactions with people, their interactions with corporations, uh, religious organizations, not by what party they're affiliated with. And that's my biggest beef with uh, especially the conservative side. And I will go harder on the conservative side because on the, let's face it, on the, uh, on the, on the left side of politics, it's more geared towards uh, your agnostics, your atheists. Um, not always. There are some very good, faithful people on that side. But it's, you're going to find more of your agnostics on that side. And so on a, on, a, on a humanist scale, I can actually understand their viewpoint better because they're acting, by and large, not, not all, but by and large, in the way that they're saying that they believe. All right. On the quote unquote conservative side, I see these people who have worse lives than most of their opposing candidates, worse relationships than most of their opposing candidates, and people who profess to be in the faith, but who obviously don't live the faith. And that's where I have a really hard time digesting this. Please, somebody say something, because <laughs> <laughs> that's where I am. Yeah, I, I understand that viewpoint. Um, I think I'm equally as jaded with the conservative side, but I'm it. I am with both. Yeah. It only takes a Google search to, to dig up dirt on anyone, yeah. on any politician. I agree, and so it's how much of it is true. On either side, I don't know. I mean, it's just slinging dirt. Yeah. But isn't there a part of you that if you see somebody on the left side, you know, uh, name a candidate real quick. Uh, Anybody. Tim Ryan. Okay. So let's say you, you find can't afford out. to tax him. <laughs> let's, say, <laughs> let's say that you find out that Tim Ryan was in an orgy. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so let's say that you that you find out that Tim Ryan was in an orgy. Okay. Okay. Coming from the left side, as a conservative, you're like, well, that's what I expect, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, honestly, at, on the conservative side, you expect that. You expect that somebody on the left is going to be living a looser lifestyle. I've got Keith rolling right now. <laughs> you... That's what uh, that's what you expect, and so so they're kind of like living up to your expectations, right? Yeah. So when you find that out, but then when you have somebody like Herschel Walker impregnating half of his state and paying for abortions, that's a problem because he's supposed to be put up there, stood up on the stage by all of these conservatives, by these quote unquote conservative party 
by the biggest people in the party to say, hey, this is our guy. Well, how come your guy is living a looser lifestyle than the pastor that's opposing him? I'm just really wishing I would have picked any other politician than Tim Ryan right now because I cannot stop picturing him in orgy. <laughs> <laughs> like, he looks like the least orgyable guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I'm using extreme examples, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll use a different example. So, what if Tim Ryan was shooting up heroin? That's <laughs> <laughs> still funny. You kind of, from a conservative side, That's funny, but still you funny. expect that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, I feel like, you know, again, we, we can pull up dirt on anyone, right? It doesn't take but a few searches on Google to pull up dirt and find the thing that you want to justify our pre, uh, you know, our, our biased positions already if we truly are holding to our just our party. You know, and I get that if we if we party worship, I'm I'm not going to look for the things that I actually might agree with certain people. Yeah, you know, it, it just doesn't work that way. Right, and, and I totally get that. The trouble is, is that what, what was that big scandal that that Warnock was in? What was it again? Uh, I'm blanking out because I don't think there was one. Was exactly. There? So, <laughs> so when you have somebody on the left side who wasn't in a scandal, okay, who for all intents and purposes, may not agree with your with some, some of the stances of your party. Who is this? Raphael Warnock, the uh, Senate candidate that's going against Herschel Hawker in the runoff. Who's literally a pastor of a church. Okay. Who, on the left, who is, does stand on his, his party, okay? And he does uphold the same exact principles that his party would represent, some of which I disagree with. But he lives a scandal-free lifestyle. And so when you have somebody like that, you stick a Herschel Walker up there who's literally paying for abortions and impregnating at least half a city, maybe not the state, but half the city. Right. <laughs> so That's I'd, a problem. <laughs> I'd like to acknowledge like there's two different levels here. Like so if if uh, Herschel Walker was simply just like sleeping around, or like any you know, like there's tons of there's tons of Republican politicians who sleep around, I'm sure, and there's tons of Democrat politicians who Cheat on their wives, whatever. I'm pretty sure we had a president who. Had yeah, yeah, we've had several presidents who've done that. Democratic um, president. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so there's that level. We get that too. There's a whole nother level when it's directly contra or contradictory towards the policy positions that you're going to be voting on that are like salient. So like, My if point. You, if you if you are a Republican and you are going on a strong anti-abortion platform. But yet you have paid for abortions um, or and the other the other one is if you are a strong, you know, strongly against LGBTQ affirming policies, like if you are, are you know, if you want to turn back um, Overfell or something like that, um, but you are a closeted, you know, gay person or something like that, or, you know, maybe you have a difference to maybe maybe even you've attended your your son's you know wedding to another man or something like that um those those hit differently because you were saying that like there is one set of policies for me and there's one set of policies for the people that i govern and that's the one that i think really stands out yeah 100 percent. and it happened i mean yeah. i that's one of the reasons why governor newsom caught such backlash during the pandemic oh yeah absolutely R rules for thee not for me you know Exactly. Stay at home, stay at home, stay at home, wear masks as he's out partying. Exactly. Yeah. With his colleagues. So it happens on both sides. It, now, it does. Here, it does. Here's the rub. If I'm going to, I'll pick on the Republican side here for a bit because this is where I think, you know, definitions and the pejorative name calling and all of that and just lumping people into groups isn't going to further American society. It isn't going to better our overall politics in this country. Overall, yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna continue doing this every four years, right? Or every you know every smaller elections we have, it's just gonna be the same thing, or the same thing. Yep, just different characters. But you know, I don't I don't think Trump was ever a true conservative. So to lump him with the face of conservatism, and now anyone that he backs, you know, people who are slave to their parties, like, well, you know, like, oh, you're not a true conservative. Well, yeah. Trump was never one to begin with. He wasn't. So the, it's an unfair statement to say that. And say, well, you know, the right conservative, look at Trump. It's 
it's not fair. And I will equally say that there are many Democratic uh, leaders, one that I loved, who actually left her party, mm-hmm. Tulsi Gabbard. Recently, yep. Uh, I think she was probably one of the most intelligent women and leaders that could have been for this country. Mm-hmm. I would have signed up and voted for her, without a doubt, if she would have ran. Yeah. But her own party didn't want her. Yeah. So, I don't think she wanted her party either. She probably didn't. I th- I, I would say she that she wanted was, to be on Fox News. <laughs> whatever it was, no saying, one could handle her. She did, she was more intelligent than all of them. She needs to be a libertarian, and nobody could debate. So her. she can get three percent of the vote. Yes, <laughs> I think we would rise above that. Five percent. Okay. Thank That's you. Exactly to my point. I mean, unless we just want more of the same thing because we love our uh, Kardashian type politics here. And I don't, I don't think it, it's really. We're in an interesting inflection point because there's been a Trump, a bit of a Trump backlash in the aftermath of this election week. Finally, um, I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's good. Oh, even. it's real. It's real. When when <laughs> Fox News comes out and says it's real, the, the, but do you think it'll be real next real. week when he announces his presidential run for 2024? Hey, we're not worried about that because he's good for ratings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Well, according to according to Trump, what he wants is CNN to start a conservative part of their of their news franchise and host only him, and that's per <laughs> his own words on Truth Social. Yeah, yeah. And so I too, like you, Aaron, have been crucified by those who are quote unquote conservative and to the right, uh, because. I will not blame everything that has happened in the past, you know, four years. God, has it been that long already with Biden? Yeah. No, wait, that's like- well, No, 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 no. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's not that long. However <laughs> long Biden's been in office. <laughs> you know, I think it's it, just a bit immature to blame everything on him. Yeah. You know, I, I would agree. Because would a agree. lot of the policies that he's writing on, I know Trump actually signed into law. Mm-hmm. So, especially in regards to COVID and all of that. So- you can't blame everything on him. No, no, no. And and the thing is, is that if you if you look at a lot of the COVID restrictions and stuff, they were signed by Trump. I know, because that's a lot of the people who are on the so-called right. That's where a lot of their objections are stemming from, you know, and their anger. I think it's misguided. I think it's misplaced just to blame one person. But when are we going to move past that? I know. It's the president shame. has writers. My God. Mm-hmm. If you can't tell that Biden's reading something and can't even do that half the time. And that Trump is reading stuff and people write this stuff for them. Do you really think that they're actually writing the policies before they go to bed? I know. I only have three things to say about that. (laughs) There's our bell. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So I I don't, I don't do that. I don't think, I don't know if that's a, a thumbs up for the democratic vote, but. I, I did have one come knocking on my door, and she was, uh, she was campaigning for the Democratic Party. I didn't know anyone on the ticket. She was giving me all the info. I didn't want to be rude. Yeah, I enjoy the dialogue. So you know, I was, and I'm sure she was someone who lived in our neighborhood. So I didn't want her like rock the boat. <laughs> this is why anything. I don't canvas. <laughs> well, I I don't want to I don't want to speak to local politicians for or against. So, but I will say that I know a conservative. Who votes predominantly a Republican who did vote for one of our Democrats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So So she came and she, you know, was telling me all this thing. And now she's like, Now how are you gonna vote? You know, are you voting? Uh, you know, she was trying to fish around and, and get info out of me. I said, Well, I'll take all this info from you and I appreciate what you're doing. I really do. I she's like, Are you, you interested at all? And I and I just for whatever reason, the only thing that could come out of my mouth at that moment was the only ads that I had been seeing on YouTube was like Look, I can't afford to tax Tim Ryan. She's like, oh, that's our enemies. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm just joking. I have no idea what that even means. You like personified like the memification of politics right there. Like just like in your subconscious, it just came out. What it was just, exactly at the advertisement? It just came out. And what if I what if I had taken that to the poll with that only? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, am I I'm not going to let YouTube guide me. 
this is this is where I think a lot of the blame game actually comes from, where you blame like one politician or another. Is like the the how advertising and money works in politics. It's yeah. like perfect for scapegoating. Exactly. Like the the message being harped over and over is that like Democrats are gonna bring drag queen story hour to your kids' school. That is, and the they're gonna one. turn you know turn all your kids you know into trans whatever. Yep. Um, and then they're going to go into the bathroom or something like that. And that was the message. And that like seemingly resonated. I heard mm-hmm. anecdotally that was like really strong in Florida. And Florida way, that's the one, other than New York, which is weird, that's the one place that um, Republicans really overperformed. Like DeSantis won by like 18 points, their governor, which is insane. The when new you can president? See, yeah, the new president. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, where was I going with that? Um, threw him, see, threw him off, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you completely re- like that was worse than like Squirrel. Tim Ryan's orgy. <laughs> <laughs> completely froze me. <laughs> that is bad. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, the, oh, I know what I was because I was thinking about you know you were mentioning you know a Republican voted for a Democrat and you know mm. one really interesting trend of this election cycle is that for as much as we've heard about that party identification is just ruling the day and like whatever party you're identifying with is who you're voting for there was a lot of ticket splitting all across the nation Mm. i mean you just even look at ohio like um i forget what the exact margin was but um uh governor dewine won by double digits i'm almost positive vance won by six um yeah dewine was up there by a landslide yeah Yeah. i think it was high it was at least like 15 or something like that in his defense i mean the entire country was watching him during COVID. In fact, there were other countries. He had a good month or two there in there. There were other countries <laughs> watching him during COVID. <laughs> so, yeah. It's interesting, though, because if you think of, like, if you think everybody's going by party identification, like, that means they're either, like, really digging into, like, the minutiae of, like, political news. Like, they're reading, like, Politico or Slate every day and, and deeply forming opinions, whether that's good news or not. Um, or... They are just like endlessly consuming the memes, <laughs> mm-hmm. and like well, there is that. Either way, you would, you would, you would think like, you would feel like at some point you would identify Dewine with what he spent most of his time doing, which is generally like maybe reluctantly, but usually rolling over to the partisans in his own party in the House and Senate in the state. So, like at the end of the day, I was like, oh, he'll put a. He'll put a, a strong front on for code for a few months until the legislator, you know, over, you know, doesn't veto proof majority and then I'll roll over and, or, you know, he'll be, uh, you know, kind of anti-Trumpy for a little while, but then he'll campaign with them or whatever. So like. So it is politics. Yeah. The, the essence of politics. But, but he'll win by 10 more points than. Yeah. But I'll be honest when I'm, when I'm looking between, and I had this discussion with one of my family members when you're looking at him and the opposition it, you look at their track record um she didn't fare so well if you look back you talking about dewine and and a certain somebody um are you talking about the democratic opposition uh-huh. nan whaley uh-huh okay uh i mean if you look at her track record she didn't do so well with people who were like say over the age of 60 why because she kind of didn't do so good in their taxes and the areas that she previously was in charge of. So I could see, you know, but how, like, I look from, so for one thing, I didn't even know about the taxes. She raised her tax. She raised the taxes on the LA big time. How how many people are that tuned in across the state to taxes in the city of Dayton? Well, apparently a lot. If you look at the the numbers, because DeWine did really well. (laughs) Right. I think that was more DeWine than it could have been. It could have been, but if you look at again, if you look at at a uh, at a person's track record, you have to not just examine what they're saying, but what did they do? And I think that her track record followed her into this election mm-hmm. because uh, there's a lot of elderly people across Ohio, and a lot of the elderly people in Ohio are not a dummy. They're going to look you up and see what you did, and when you find out, oh, what they did that to people over sixty, I am not voting for her. That's gonna follow you, so it's kind of crazy. Yeah, because you could literally just do, <laughs> you know, one gloss over a, of an internet search right before you go to the polls, and that changes everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
Like I could have just looked up that one thing about her and made that decision based on that. Yeah. And not look at anything else she did. Yeah. I'm going to Google Nan Whaley because I just like, I don't question that necessarily, but like when I usually Google politicians, when it's like, say like the judges, I'm trying to fill out my ballot, my absentee ballot and figure out which judges I vote for. I'm usually just like picking the first few entries and seeing like what the newspapers said and their endorsement thing. But then on the flip side of that though, our local, and again, I don't like to name politicians uh, on our, our local, two of our local people over here, um, we have the, the Republican and the Democrat. And despite their effect on, on abortion, which is a little more, they had a little more gray area, both of them, than, uh, than anything else. But when it came to the middle class, the Democrat, I thought, spoke very well. Um, and the Republican sidestepped it every single time. And what she said, the Democrat, what she said was America, its middle class, was built through the unions. We have to make sure that across the country we are backing our unions because if we don't do that, we're going to lose our middle class. We're going to lose this whole sect of people who have brought America up, have brought industry up, have brought jobs up. And if we do not hold on to that, we're going to lose it. If we lose it, we're going to lose a whole class of people. Is she a closet conservative? And she is, well, she stood... And she spoke loudly with it, and the Republican was quite quiet on that and sidestepped it every single time. And so you have it back and forth. So you have you can't disagree. I can't. Disagree. I mean, I, <laughs> why not just agree if you were the Republican? Like, actually, that's a good policy. She sidestepped every time she sidestepped it. You know. Yeah. I, yeah. Because you have to disagree to show face for your party, yeah. right? Yeah. So I. I have a problem with that. And again, so I liked where DeWine stood. I didn't like where Whaley stood. Yeah. But then I I like where the local Democrats stood, and I didn't like where the local Republicans stood. So There you go. <laughs> Why get out of bed? <laughs> I'm trying to think of they wouldn't even set a platitude, because like Tim Ryan's campaign was all about that. Like It was all about the blue-collar worker kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. he's. He was borrowing a lot of Republican messages. Yeah. And his sign, the letters on his sign were red. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we're experiencing the great shift again with all the all these meanings in terms of it what is be. democratic and what it means to be conservative. Because I would argue that JFK back in his day was way more conservative than a Trump could ever dream of being. Oh, definitely. I would argue your replacement oh. level dem- Democrat today is way conservative relative to Europe. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Well, yeah. You but, don't have to argue that with us. <laughs> right, right, yeah. No, it's I. I love where uh, JFK stood. I love the quotes that I, I, I pull all the time from JFK because he was definitely far more conservative than even a lot of our more conservative people. Yeah. Um, and and he definitely stood with that that hardcore middle class America. Um, I mean. The things that I pulled out of a few investigations I did into JFK, yeah, they pulled up some of the dirty stuff, um, you know, from his doctor and everything else. But they also pulled up some of the things that he was planning to do before he was assassinated. And the things that he was planning to do were just awesome. And they really were uh, pushed towards bringing middle-class America to the forefront and pushing against corporations. I mean, I, until until I started diving further into it, it blew me away how hardcore he was geared towards blue collar America. He was hell bent on it. He's also yeah. hell bent against uh, rooting out the mafia. Yeah, it's amazing the things that stay a bipartisan issue. It's kind of sometimes the unwritten rules, because no president will declassify everything yeah. about JFK. Yeah. I, I love his liberal quote where he goes through and he says, well, if being a liberal means this, if being a liberal means this, if being a liberal means this, I'm proud to say I'm a liberal. A lot of that was very conservative. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of that was very, very conservative. So it, it kind of makes you wonder if a classical liberal does not have a lot of overlay with what we would call conservative. Or if these definitions were completely different 50, 60 years ago. 
there is some of that. But I also <laughs> see so many parallels to our time, even back then. Yeah. You know, race issues, wars. Okay, so they went to the moon, but now we're going to Mars. So Are we really gonna go to Mars? Nah, I have I have doubts. I I actually hope we do. Well, supposedly. Uh, I hope uh, Elon Musk goes to Mars. And maybe I was just, just going to say there. before that, he was supposed to go back to the moon in 2024. Elon Musk came and launched re- <laughs> Twitter. Maybe that's what he meant by buying Twitter was going to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> that man, that man cannot even make it that far. Um, but yeah, I do yeah. see a lot of some of the same societal issues that haven't really changed much. Um, so I, I definitely think the terms and the meanings and the definitions have, you know, uh, I've I've heard some guy describe it as you know what we have today going on is word pollution. Mm. Now, words can't always mean the same thing. Okay. You know? Okay. I dig it. I'm jiving. <laughs> 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 yeah. And, and that, that that takes us back to our candidates, right? Because if you look at our candidates, that's where I th- I see the biggest the biggest evils, and I think that's actually where the Republicans have failed. Because if you look at if you look at the Republican uh, candidates, there is a a plethora of like these celebrity style candidates. I mean, let's start at the top. Trump, <laughs> right? That's top right there, right? Trump. A lot of our candidates in this quote unquote red wave that was expected were from Trump, right? Most of them miserably failed <laughs> right but it's because a lot of them were celebrities right i mean start with trump all right so his success was at the fact that he inherited 40 million dollars from his father <laughs> wait one million <laughs> sure <laughs> and then if you i actually started a list because i was one of those guys i i actually wanted trump to succeed now leaning libertarian i did vote for the libertarian i'm not ashamed to admit that um it's okay just give me a bourbon (laughs) (laughs) but that being said i actually did hope that trump was going to be a good quote-unquote non-partisan as he promised uh oh you thought he was going to drain the swamp right non-political person and i said listen give this man six months I really did hope that after six months, he would prove us wrong. And after six months, he did the polar opposite. <laughs> so then at that point, I started this, this list called Trump's Bad Behavior. Oh, boy. <laughs> it continues to grow. But, <laughs> but I, mean, let, I mean, you have everything from uh, Trump cheating on his wife with Stormy Daniels to uh, Trump cheating with... Karen McDougal to won't show his taxes to lied about his rating with the BBB to took <laughs> tax credits away from orphans. That is true. He actually, he actually did take tax credits away from orphans. Google it. At a boy, Trump. If you can't find it. Message me. <laughs> <laughs> to gave Monsanto. The seat that the director seat for the EPA. That's no lie. Passed a bill to protect Monsanto for twelve years. <laughs> was close friends with Epstein. Was close friends with Ghislaine. <laughs> he did take a ride on the Lolita Express. Yes. <laughs> His twenty seventeen tax return only benefited the rich. And I do still stand by that because I have yet to find people who dispute that to show me real evidence for it. Took federal protections away from the national parks. <laughs> Disregard for the native people with the Keystone Pipeline. And that is still my argument to this day. Because the, peeps, the, pe- the Keystone Pipeline, number one, was not really geared towards oil. right? It was geared towards crude. Crude is the lowest form. So it's not geared towards mm-hmm. refined oil. Yes. We'll, we could spend a, like a <laughs> portion of an episode on this. We won't go there now because we already have we already have this stuff scheduled. I'm good with not talking that much. Yeah. About so it. so the crew the the Keystone Pipeline had nothing to do with refined oil, but it did wholeheartedly hurt Native American people, and that's why I was fully against it. So 
He's an egomaniac <laughs> that has its own category. <laughs> he repealed HUD. If you don't know what HUD is, that means you hate poor people when you take that away. Uh, he parted war criminals. He ordered the withdrawal of nearly all U.S. foreign people in Afghanistan. People blame Biden for that. It wouldn't have happened if Trump hadn't signed it with a terrorist regime, ignoring the people that were in Iran and Afghanistan, by the way. He signed it without their consent. He signed it without their part, without their, their, their uh, participation. So this is a man who sat down and signed an agreement with terrorists. I'm sorry, a real president would not have done that. Join us in part two for the rest of the conversation.